Funding for Elwood City Limits is provided by Christopher Ifill, Ian Collis, John Dulong, Josias Melendez, Leanne S., Light Relentless, and Poolside123. If you'd like to support the podcast and get a little something for your trouble, go to patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. It's raining, it's pouring. Is the old man snoring? I don't know. I, uh, in class, we're putting together a newsletter, and one of the pitfalls they tell us to avoid with newsletter writings is uh, to avoid the, uh, the phrase, it's that time of year again. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, it's always that time of year again. Unless it's the heat death of the universe, it is technically always a time of year. <laughs> and it's time. It's always time in the year to to watch Arthur. At least as far as we're concerned, this is the episodic Arthur podcast, Elwood City Limits. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Will Young coming at you mid October, or rather uh, early mid October, and that's Lucas Mancini Ooh. on the track. Is it is it starting to get a little spooky? Have we gotten spooky yet? Yeah, we haven't even declared it being uh, Spooktober yet. Spooktober. I know we're getting in there. I've been watching. Uh, I watched Friday the 13th Part 4 the other day. I watched Hereditary yesterday. So things are getting a little spooky. I can hear the... (laughs) Over the horizon. What did you think of Hereditary? Uh, It was interesting. It wasn't what I expected. Um, It moved at a... It clocked in at a really high pace. I did not expect it to be like that fast pace of a movie. Um, And it's it's quirky. Uh, It's it's kind of odd. Um tonally um and i liked it i thought it was original i thought it was fun it wasn't like i wasn't like raving about it like i have seen some other indie horror movies like the black coat's daughter or something but uh i thought it was a really interesting movie uh it's one of my favorites of the year i i loved it i loved it so much it's it's the kind of thing where it felt like it was like made for me like specifically Mm -hmm. for me with some of the choices and the type of scares that they used so. Yeah, there's some really good moments at the end in terms of like in camera mm-hmm. uh, tricks that they used to scare you that I, I that I really enjoyed. Absolutely. Do you what else is scary? Mm. Um, when your head's itchy because you got head lice. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's we'll be getting into a <laughs> body into a type of body horror, you might say. That is, uh, if we didn't have what I'm going to declare the most emails we've ever had so far. Wow. Uh, for one episode of the show. We finally, because I think the previous record was set by, um, is it called Arthur's Big Hit? What is that episode called? Yeah, Arthur's Big Hit. Yeah, that was the previous record of the most discourse we ever had. I don't think it was all episodes for uh, emails for that episode, but there was definitely a lot of emails surrounding that episode, more so than usual. So mm. I'm happy to hear we've set a new record. All right, let's get into it. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com is where you can send your emails. Our first one comes in from Matthew, who also goes by the name Pretty Cool Stairs, which is uh, Matthew's Arthur Wikia username and a quote from season six. I have the Arthur Wikia open right in front of me just now. Nice. Uh, Hey, you might be seeing uh, Pretty Cool Stairs' work if you look closely. 
Uh, anyway, have a few comments about the last episode and season five in general. I always enjoyed the anthropomorphic brains as a kid. It's definitely some wild imagery for a children's show, but it's certainly not even beginning to push the limits of where Arthur can go. We don't see the brain people again, but we do travel inside Brain's brain in a recent episode. It's quite similar to the magic school bus scene in Buster's Breathless where they go inside his respiratory system. So not the last we'll see of brains on the show. The kid rap segment, which we talked about, is from season six's Rhyme oh. for Your Life. Which I'm is, so glad that people wrote in about this. Which is one of my favorites from that particular season, also a Binky episode. I was beginning to wonder if you guys had just skipped over the and now a word from us kids segment. They do seem rather monotonous, but every once in a while something cool or interesting happens. That's the thing, is that like the uploads that we watch don't have them anymore, so I felt I like we kinda kinda made our point. But if there are any fun ones that we've missed or haven't gotten to like feel free to alert us uh, especially the ones that we've missed on episodes we've covered uh and we can uh, just kind of add it into a random episode here and there i just missed the 90s t-shirts that was yeah. like my favorite part of the watching the kids now word from us kids episodes the f- the fashion of it all mm. Season 5 is meaningful to me because it's the first season I can actually remember saying to myself, wow, a new Arthur episode. I think I'm about Lucas's age, so I would have been 6 years old at the time. I don't know if I noticed the voice and the animation changes then, but I knew I was I know I was really excited uh, for the new shows. Keep up the awesome work. I usually listen while I'm at work at my desk. It makes a typical day of clicking and pushing buttons a bit more thrilling. I can relate to that. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew, a.k.a. Pretty Cool Stairs. Our next one comes in from Norbert, who says, "With the subject of the email is Michigan is so gosh darn close to Canada. Norbert- <laughs> it's true. Michigan is very close to Canada. We share one of the Great Lakes. Uh, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and there's kind of an extra Arthur hey, Canadian connection. Hey, everybody here. in the free one three. Shoutouts <laughs> to D-Town. Back when analog TV was still a thing, the signal for Channel 32, TVO Ontario, would reach us. Aside from, the, cha- aside from the channel showing stuff like Anne of Green Gables, uh, Tracy McBean and Elliot Moose. It was a great way to squeeze in some extra viewings of Arthur. My boy's on the loose. Let's go. <laughs> That's from Norbert. We They probably hear so much uh, week to week of us discussing and trying to uh, interpret American culture. It's nice to hear that sometimes it goes the other way. Uh, and we have our friends to the south exposed to some good old Canadian culture, such as Anna Green Gables and Elliot Moose. Mm. Um, I'm happy to hear that. And he's right. Uh, Michigan is very, very close to Canada. Our next one is from uh, Beatrix, who is defending uh, the honor of their sibling, Ur's cat, who came to us last week with their solution to the math problem. Uh, Beatrix double-checked the math, and Ur's is correct. It seems that Leanne simply made a transcribing error. I think we have an email from Leanne coming up about the math uh, Beatrix ran it through a calculator and got the same answer. So, to be continued. Uh, now, ne- I wonder if it could be because of the order of operations. Who is utilizing bed mass properly? I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> wow, bed mass. I haven't thought about that in a dog's age. Hey, listen, there's two things I'm never going to forget from high school. It's that brackets come first and the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Uh, all right, our next one is from Danny, who was introduced to Elwood City Limits by JV, a uh, previous guest, and I'll say a future guest, most likely. 
introduced me to the podcast a couple months ago. Happy to say I cut up on the entire backlog. I'm 30 years old, so I was eight and exactly Arthur's age in 1996 when the show debuted. I was constantly compared to Arthur most of my entire life because I was a brown man with glasses and a hilar- had a hilariously annoying younger sister. Uh can't wait to hear you three do an episode together. We're planning on it. Regarding your last episode, the Game Grumps taught me the best way to remember the difference between stalagmite and stalactite. Uh, since then, I've never gotten the two mixed up. He includes a quote here that is uh, a little bit on the a little bit on the dirty side, but I, I, I see I see what you're talking about. I I think I might remember if it's from the I, there's a part in the Game Grumps playthrough. Back when I used to watch Game Grumps way, 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 way back in the day where they were playing through Sonic 2006. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're, they're knuckles and they're going through the cave. I think that might be where this stalactite stalagmite joke is from. Otherwise, I don't really know. I've since completely fallen off Game Grumps, but uh, you'll have to share that quote with me after the show. Game Grumps is one of those things that I, uh, I much prefer watching compilations of rather than kind of a whole series, but it's... Mm. Uh, very, very funny stuff, generally. Um, da, da, da. I know you guys have mentioned Overwatch in previous early podcasts, so I thought I would ask a fun question. Which Arthur characters would you compare to Overwatch characters? I love this question. This might be one of my favorite questions we've ever gotten, because I'm constantly having conversations <laughs> with my friends about, like, which Overwatch character is most likely to do this? Which Overwatch character does this? I, I, I've i been playing Overwatch. I, I, Me and you both played Overwatch a lot year one. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of fell off hard, and I've been really getting back into it this year, and me and my friends are going to be picking new Overwatch League favorite teams uh, for when the season starts in February, and I'm really excited for that. But I've been getting back into it in a in a big way, so I'm super excited to let's get into this. Like, which which characters who? I still have my um, co- I still have my copy of Overwatch, so I mean, ooh, I could we should I play could play some. Yeah, we maybe some time. perhaps the meta is completely different. Um, uh, did they give any suggestions? Do they have any? Uh, yes. Uh, su- oh, yes. okay. Let's hear these. Let's yeah, hear yes. these. Okay, I would say Arthur as Doomfist because of Arthur's big hit. Oh, that's a good one. That's perfect. Okay. Uh, <laughs> look no further. That's, that is, uh, okay. Yeah. That one's locked in. No, no disagreement here. Francine as Zarya. Uh, yeah. Francine's def, mm, that's a good one. Francine is probably a Zarya. I could also see Francine bringing Brigitte. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Uh, Buster as Roadhog. Buster as Roadhog. I'm, I'm thinking he Road- eats a lot. I'm thinking Ro- Roadhog might be more of a binky, though. Yeah, Roadhog's defo more of a binky, but I could see Buster being a junk rat. He's kind of manic. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think which Overwatch character cracks the most wise. If you wanted, if you don't, oh, you know what? The only one, other one, Francine's Tracer. Francine's definitely Tracer. You think? Oh, yeah. Tracer's always like, you're too slow. She's like female Sonic the Hedgehog. And you want to know who else is like female Sonic the Hedgehog? It's friggin' Francine. Fair enough. Uh, you know what? Buster might be a good Lucio. Uh, yeah, I could see that. He's certainly got a, a swagger to him. I could see I could see uh, Lucio either being uh, Brain, but I could also see Brain being Torbjorn because he's always fiddling with those machines. Uh, Brain is next, actually, as Winston. Oh, of course. Of course, yeah, he would be Winston. Winston's got the highest intellect of anybody in the Overwatch crew, so that makes sense. DW as Sombra. 
interesting because Sobra's really annoying to deal with. <laughs> is that? Yeah, I could see DW as either Sombra, May, or uh, um, uh, Symmetra for those reasons. The most annoying Overwatch characters. Uh, actually, May is next. Fern as May. Oh, I wouldn't do that to poor Fern. Uh, I could see. Hmm, which which Overwatch character is most likely to try and solve a mystery? Uh, Symmetra? Maybe? I don't know. I also see Fern as, like, uh, uh, Fern could be a mercy. She's always trying to, like, she's always kind of thinking about the rest of the group. She's very, uh, um, she's always trying to consider people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Muffy as D.Va. <laughs> That's a, uh, hmm, I don't know. Muffy's kind of a tricky one. I see Muffy more as a Widowmaker. I was thinking of Muffy as Widowmaker, actually. Yeah. She kind of fits I with don't... she kind of fits with Tracer that way. They always pair they they paired them up in that first big uh, CG trailer they had for Overwatch. I remember. Yeah. If uh, if if Muffy was Muffy would Diva only make sense if you're thinking of it as Diva bought the suit herself. Right. Um, Dave Reed as Soldier Seventy Six in his summertime <laughs> yeah. skin. That one's a lock. Just like Doomfist, that one's absolutely perfect. Cannot be altered. Also, I, I would say, uh, Ma, and since we're including Dad Reed, I think Mom Reed might be Mercy. That's another good one. Uh, also, I'm going to say... Um, oh, ba- and you know what? Uh, Fran- uh, Francine's dad is Junkrat, because he's a garbage man. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm going to say Pal as Bastion. Interesting. Pal as Bastion. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we could also have Nadine as Bastion. Or, actually, Nadine would be a great Sombra. She turns invisible. Yeah, there you go. All right, so those are just to name a few. Uh, we'll have to keep have to keep thinking on this. Actually, that'd be fun. That's one of our uh, that's one of our Patreon goals. When we get to 10 people, we're going to create a, a private Discord server for all our patrons. And, uh, you know, that's a way that we can uh, play Overwatch together is on our private Elwood City Limits Discord server. So keep that in mind. If you if that sounds like something you want to do and you're not on our Patreon yet, patreon.com slash Limits. Who uh, is, uh, do we miss anybody? Who would be Han? Do we have anybody for Hanzo and Genji? There's got to be, what's the most, what's the most annoying male Arthur character who's just like, I need healing, I need healing. Who's the Genji of Arthur? No, Hanzo and Genji are the Tibble Twins. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. I love it. Awesome. Anyway, uh... Uh, keep up the good work, all that good stuff. Uh, P.S. I recently got a Nintendo Switch, and I'm looking for some fun gems to play. I like to play Enter the Gungeon and Stardew Valley in my free time. That one's from Danny. Lucas, any suggestions on Nintendo Switch? For, like, indie games, right? Hmm. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. I wish you told me beforehand. I'm really not sure off the top of my dome. I mean, I assume he's played all the big stuff, like... Zelda and, and, and Mario Odyssey, and he's probably looking for more uh, small games like Enter the Gungeon and what was the other one? Stardew Valley? Yeah. Hmm. I'm not entirely sure. Snipper Clips is amazing. Snipper Clips is really good. If you have a friend to play with, uh, that's a really, really solid uh, co-op puzzle game on the Switch that you might not have played before. Uh, and if I think of anything else during the show, I will let you know. What about something like uh, Is Dead Cells on the Switch? I've heard some good things about that. I don't know if Dead Cells on the Switch. It's not my type of thing, but yeah, it's it's gotten almost universal acclaim. I think it might be. Uh, yeah, Dead Cells is on the Switch, so 
Uh, check out Dead Cells. Check out Snipper Clips. Donut um, Donut County, I hear, is fun. Is that on the Switch? Is it? Uh, let me let me check. If it's not, uh, just buy Donut County on whatever you can play it on, because that is definitely my top five uh, games of the year. You can hear it in the our Patreon episode of Filibuster, where I talk about Donut County. Um, it is amazing. Uh, let's see here. I have to figure this out. Um, it's great for Arthur fans, too. No, it's only on PS4 and Steam right now, or iOS if you have an iPhone device, but... Uh, I'll recommend that to anybody, especially Arthur fans, because it's got anthropomorphic animals in a small town. Uh, but that game is a, an achievement. I love Donut County. All right. Our next one here is from Aaron, who recently listened to our podcast episodes on Season 5. Aaron says, generally like the season as a whole. Keep up the good work. I agree with your viewpoints regarding the Nerves of Steel episode, the one where Buster stole the cyber toy. Arthur should not have been punished for something he did not do. I believe that he should have gotten a warning, though. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say we both agree with that. Yeah, sure, whatever. Like, yeah, I, I um, sure his parents are mad because he kept something from them, but he totally got wrapped into a situation that was not of his own design. Uh, Francine is one of my least favorite Arthur characters. I, too, agree with your points regarding her in the Arthur cartoon so far. In a way, I feel that Francine deserved to have Binky take photos of her as she was making fun of Arthur earlier in the episode. Big time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think she gets her just desserts in that episode, but, um, yeah, I, I think the punishment fit the crime there. Uh, caves are something I've always wanted to visit when I was younger, particularly from seeing caves in cartoons. I have actually visited Penn's Cave in Pennsylvania back in 2008, but I was only able to participate in a boat-based tour. I personally learned the difference between stalagmites and stalactites when I watched the Berenstain Bears cartoon when I was younger. Okay, so we we're... mentioned this earlier. It's really cartoons that are obsessed with teaching children <laughs> the difference between stalactites and stalagmites. Yeah, like, I, I feel like that is the one through line. Like everybody's learned it from some sort of cartoon or Game Grubs, but when is that knowledge useful in any capacity? <laughs> well, unless you're uh, going into the field, uh, hardly at all. Uh, or if you're like playing bar trivia, I could see that coming up. Mm-hmm. Lastly, although this is an Arthur podcast, I'm interested in knowing what plans you have slash had for Thanksgiving and your thoughts on the current NHL season. Lucas, uh, do you have any thoughts on the current NHL season? Uh, from everybody I've talked to, it seems like it's the Toronto Maple Leaf season to lose, which uh, I grew up in a Habs household, so I'm not entirely pleased to hear that. Um, but I've never been a super close uh, follower of hockey. Uh, I know about Gritty. I'm a pretty big fan of Gritty. Yeah, um, you are. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a big Gritty boy. Uh, but uh, last year I was rooting for the Golden Knights. I kind of got wrapped up into their underdog story. And I'm not really sure who I'm rooting for this year. Uh, maybe the Jets. Uh, pretty much anybody who isn't the Toronto Maple Leafs would be nice. All right. I don't have uh, any thoughts myself. I'm not a hockey fan, although I did reach out to somebody uh, former guest of the show for uh, his thoughts on the NHL season, and hopefully I'll have those for you uh, pretty soon. Aaron, thank you for the email and uh, for everything you, everything nice you shared. Oh, and for as far as our Thanksgiving plans are concerned, we had Canadian Thanksgiving last weekend, so uh, yes, it's, that's right. Uh, it's come and gone. Uh, I went, drove up out of town to Liverpool to visit uh, some people on my mom's side of the family, and it was a beautiful day, uh, and had a lot of really good food. So Thanksgiving weekend was great. Yeah, I uh, had Thanksgiving dinner with my wife's family, and that's always 
That's always great. Her father makes Thanksgiving dinner. It's always very good. And we do like the Christmas crackers thing, which is the first. Uh, her family oh, we, was the we one do who that as well. We had the the really cheap crowns and the really really just awful awful jokes that are yep. in the inside. Just really the worst that humor has to offer. Yep, the whole nine for me as well. Our final email is from Leanne, who is the other person who sent us in a answer to the math question last week. Leanne says, upon listening to the new episode, I realized that it was actually pi times y to the power of 3 and not pi times y to the power of 2 in the math question, so my answer is indeed wrong. I do apologize for that. That's okay, Leanne. Quite, uh, quite fine. The second email was indeed the correct answer, so good on them. I'm not sure if this was answered before on the podcast, but being in university myself, I've always wondered what each of the characters in Arthur would major in if they went in university. I imagine Brain would be in something with computer science and Buster being in something that has to do with either music or theater and working in a comedy club on the side to help pay for tuition. Muffy would be in fashion merchandising, Fern in English literature or something to do with poetry, Francine would be in sports management or kinesiology, and Sue Ellen in marine biology. Arthur's a bit hard to pin down as oh, to what he is would be he? in. He'd be into classics. He'd get a BA. Arthur strikes me as the kind of guy that get into academics. Like, he just gets a BA in English, and then he gets his master's, and then he gets his PhD, and then he's just teaching English for the rest of his life. But I see either business management or no. English literature. There you go. DW would be a perfect example of a poli-sci major. Binky would be in the sciences, maybe in biology or entomology. I'm curious to see what input you guys would have on this topic. Thank you, Leanne. Um, Do we, see, did she, know, say, she said Muffy would be in finance, correct? Fa- fashion uh, ah. designer management, I believe. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah I, I agree with you that Muffy's, I think, going to be probably some kind of business major. I could see um, Binky doing um, recreational science, or or what is that? Uh, Did we hear what what was Buster's? Uh, either music or uh, theater. I could see him being in theater. I don't think Buster's got much of a musical bone in his body. I could also see Buster uh, going to vocational school. Same with oh, yeah. same with uh, Francine. She might even father her father's footsteps and work in waste management. I can see that for Binky, too, maybe uh, taking up a trade. Oh, yeah. I can, B- Binky strikes me as uh, he could be like a pipe player or something and make more than any of the other kids. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I like DW as a poli-sci major. That one's pretty good. That is uh, a solid choice. A lot of arguing to be had. I'm just trying to think if there's any others. Uh, I can see maybe George getting into woodworking. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess you can't really... There's no school of puppeteering. Um. Who's the most likely to drop out? Is it Buster? I think so. Yeah. I get. I get, I can imagine him getting fed up with the whole system. Oh, uh, Fern would go into uh, cri- criminology. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Forensic uh, criminology. Crimi- yeah. All right, uh, and that is our biggest mailbag yet over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody, who sent an email in. This is normally the part of the episode where we're like winding down on the first. Uh, part of the episode but no we're just getting into it now uh we're about halfway through season five of arthur this is the lousy week and turns out yes it is the episode with head lice i imagine that for a a certain number of people our age group i gotta believe this is what a lot of kids our age think of when they think of head lice scares in school i i i me included when i i didn't realize 
I didn't put two and two together when you were calling it the lousy week last week. Uh, I didn't have the spelling in front of me, so I didn't realize it was this episode until the first shot, um, the opening shot of the lice in question. When you were younger, did you ever have a head lice scare in your school? I mean, I remember people having head lice, but I, I have never had head lice myself. Uh, but I, I remember information sessions and stuff like that. Uh, never really a, a widespread scare, though. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the same for me. I never had head lice, but there was a couple of times where, like, a note was passed around that we had to bring back to our parents of, like, their uh, child has been reported in the school with head lice, so please take these precautions. And, uh, you know, like, don't share other kids' hats, that kind of stuff. So thankfully, never. Uh, as we'll get into later, it's quite the I process. I am to this day... Um, apprehensive when it comes to trying on a hat in a store. Uh, mm. And it's because of episodes like this. They definitely made me a bit more paranoid, that's for sure. Uh, the entire cold open is on somebody's head as the animated head lice uh, make their way and start putting putting down eggs. And basically, this is the patient zero of the uh, Lakewood Elementary head lice invasion. Uh, and they are, what, what it is is that they're all drawn like soldiers in an army. They all have like the green, uh, bucket hats on. And then the leader who is the general has like sunglasses, the general's cap and like a little, uh, what would, what would you call it? Like, uh, he's got aviators. I'll tell you this. This is where the Arthur Wikia came in handy. Ah. Um, the general is inspired by a real life person. The general of the Laos Army greatly resembles United States General Douglas MacArthur. Well, I thought that there was uh, there was some obvious parallels here and there. Like it's uh, he uses a line from Apocalypse Now at one point, General uh, or I think it's Colonel Kilgore of just yeah. you know I, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, except it's hair gel. And I also thought that maybe it was like General Patton was also a, was also an inspiration as well. I don't know too much about General MacArthur. Uh, but yeah, that's the whole thing is that they're, they're invading army. And I thought that that was a really cool idea. I really like that comparison. It gave, it really gave you the idea of like what's in store and kind of gave the episode its momentum. Uh, is this the first episode really where we have our a plot, which is about Muffy and her experience having head lice. Um, but is this the first episode where the B plot is entirely about, uh, you know, something that's not in the core group, just these lice? Are make up the entirety of the B plot. Um, I feel like every B plot has either been a known character or introducing a character thus far. Um, it's it, it, this is kind of um, new territory for Arthur. I think you might be right. That's a that's a good point. Um, yeah, I can't think of any other episode where it's focusing on somebody who is clearly not a character. But yes, this general is makes up a uh, a healthy part of the episode. We see it from the lice's point of view. And yes, the patient zero turns out to be Muffy as she's scratching her head. Uh, we see her in art class. She's she's like scratching her head everywhere. Did you see? Did you care? So in this art class, they're doing a figure drawings or figure paintings at this point, and it's Mister Haney <laughs> seated in a chair in like a Grecian toga, like with a book open. Did you check this pose? He's got I, going? I uh, and and also who is it? Is it Brain? I or, or it's Binky is doing quite a good job, actually, uh, uh, copying Mr. Haney's likeness. If you love, pause I, it, like, I, immediately, you can see that Binky's, uh, um, he's somewhat of a savant. He's got Mr. Haney down pat. I love this. I, I, I just love the image of 
to have, having to paint a picture of your principal. He must have, have been having a light work day. Like figure drawings for a third gr- for a third grader is a, a little advanced, I would think, especially something like this. Um, we get this montage of uh, Muffy sort of scratching herself on the head in inappropriate situations. She does it in, in class when she's painting. She gets paint in her hair. She's doing it with the drumsticks in her band class. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this stuff's just kind of gross. It's a little gross. It, 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 this episode's effective in making lice seem unpleasant. And one of those ways is, like, just the scratching noises and Muffy, like, constantly itching her head. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, you're right. It's It, 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 it doesn't seem like a fun time at all. Uh, did, did you see here, uh, there's a point where she's playing, uh, uh, like, indoor ball hockey with the kids, and they all have on their kind of sports attire, and we see Muffy's rarely seen sports attire, which includes a uh, which includes a sweater, a hooded yeah, she's sweater. She's got a pullover hoodie. She's got her sweatpants tucked into her socks, kinda. I, I did notice that she had a unusual outfit that she doesn't normally have. So of course, her itching causes her to miss a pass, and she admits to Francine that she's her head's been itching all day. And Francine says that maybe she has head lice, which is something that. Francine's sister Catherine has had before. Muffy, Muffy, Muffy busts that, out uh, yeah. that only dirty people have head lice, which is, I think this is the first time we've ever heard the word dirty people in an Arthur episode. Yeah, it's a real uh, real, weir- real weird thing to say and associate, but then Francine points to Buster, who has never had head lice. He's over on the bench eating a chocolate bar, which he has somehow covered his face not his face just his face it's like there's splotches of chocolate in his face and then on his ears and he licks one one of his one of his ears the chocolate off of it it's really strange it's like a a pig pen type of uh image we have here of buster like how did this happen that's one of the better running jokes in this episode is that buster's like disgusting and we'll get into that later um, which isn't which isn't like a normal trait for him. He's not that's normally true. They like, really introduced that in this episode. He just kind of eats a lot before, but now it's like Andy's gross. Uh, but it fits. It fits the character. Um, when Muffy goes to the doctor's office, um, we get a scene where one of the lice is discovered, um, and it, the mice the the mice the lice have their little army gear on for everybody. Like even the adults see them with their little army gear. Um, and they're sort of anthropomorphized. They got their little boots on. And when he talks, though, because he's so small, he sounds like a character from the, the old Super Nintendo Star Fox games. Good luck. We'll win the Uh Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> good, good call. And it's it also kind of raises a strange question of, like, so are these lice? Do they have understanding too now the arthur wikia tries to tackle this oh. um, but this is an unsighted entry so i don't know how uh take it with a grain of salt i don't know if i agree uh but one of the, under the trivia section it just simply says the lice army is all in the kids imagination now i don't know what that's based upon uh, but I prefer to think about uh, the much darker possibility that all the lice are as, as sentient as they appear to be. Citation needed, perhaps from our friend Pretty Cool Stairs. He can give the Arthur Wikia editors a talking to. Uh, yes, uh, Muffy discovers that her head is covered with lice, and then she says, "She says she'll like she'll be an outcast." She says, "I'll be treated like a leopard. I'll be ostracized." <laughs> Uh, some and then great we, like you don't know Jack tier humor. We get um, this. We get this uh, imagination of what Muffy thinks it'll be like. Essentially, what it is 
is that Arthur is delivering her homework to her on a camel in the as she's stuck in the desert in this shack because she's been ostrichized uh, for having head lice, and Arthur doesn't even dare get close to her. Like he has a raven drop her math homework outside of her. Like it looks like an outhouse, and this this looks like a scene from uh, the like a, a Dark Tower book or something. That's what I was saying. This is so odd that uh, that's the whole reason I went to the wiki in the first place was because I was trying to figure out. I was like, this is so specific. Like this must be a parody of something. But uh, alas, that was another thing where the wiki failed me. Uh, I don't know if this is just an original because you're right. It's like from Dark Tower. It reminds me of something out of like Homestuck. Like this is just a weird mishmash of imagery. Uh, and I was like, this must be parroting something specific. But alas, I could not figure it out. Yeah, I think I think it might just be. Uh, I I I I would go. I'd probably say it's original. But just the the shack in the desert thing just reminded me of you know the 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 man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed that kind of thing. Muffy is, of course, beside herself uh, with grief. She tries to play it off of Francine of just like, no, the nurse said I was just thinking too hard, and which is not a not a not a terrible dodge, but uh, pretty obvious as well. We get uh, a lot actually, of uh, we. She, uh, she's trying to like pull off because her head does get itchy again, and as she's scratching it, sort of to sell this excuse, she gives us like a bunch of. Joe Rogan, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? What came first, the chicken <laughs> or the egg? Uh, and I really appreciated that. Uh, Francine picks up her hat, and then th- this this kind of speaking of Halloween reminds me of like uh, the Jason goes to hell, the final Friday, because it's like it all starts with uh, the corner in that movie becoming possessed by Jason because he just eats Jason's heart, and this one is just like. Just not just Francine here, but as as the episode goes on, just random kids coming up and being like, "Wow, that's a nice hat! I gotta wear it." Yeah, there's a great and- wide shot later on during the assembly where they're sort of uh, passing the hat around, and literally like every person in the room, you can see the hat slowly travel as a. Uh, I forget who's making the speech, but someone's making the speech, and like the camera just focuses on like this group shot of this crowd of people all trying, taking a turn trying the hat on. And of course, when Francine tries the hat on the first time, it's like the light, the lights immediately go onto her head, and this is how it begins to spread. It's the it's the nurse giving a uh, a speech to the school of just like don't share hats, jackets, or scarves uh, and to prevent the spread of head lice. But by that point, it's pretty much already too late. All the main characters have head lice. Uh, there's a part here where Muffy is in her bathtub and they're applying a shampoo to get rid of the the nits, the the lice in her hair, and she drops the line of, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Life is so unfair. It's like Melania Trump saying she's the most bullied person in the world. <laughs> uh, and then, of uh, course... Can we her- pin down the accent of Muffy's, I don't know what to call her, aide, her, her, her nanny? Yeah, um, I think it... I want to say it's, like, Germanic. I feel it... I don't know if my, maybe my memory's bad, but I feel like it changes over the course of this episode. Like every time we check in with her, it's just a little bit different. Oh no, actually, it's a uh, it's French. It's supposed to be French because later on she says "un peu," like a knit. Ah, uh, so indeed. And th- this was actually I'd call this a good joke. Uh, her, <laughs> uh, Muffy's mother is there, just like I remember when I had head lice and. Uh, her Muffy's nanny's like, yes, I remember it well. And then flashback to Muffy's mother at her age having head lice. Uh, 
and saying, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Life is so unfair. I kind of like that. Also, one last uh, thing before we move on yeah. from the assembly. It is, there is, because you know something that the characters in the show doesn't, uh, there's just a sense of dread as you see them pass that hat around. Like, it gives you a visceral sense of, like, disgust of, like, no, please don't put the hat on. George is literally, like, rubbing it all over his face at one point. Oh, God. Oh, jeez, it's just so... Uh, like, like you said, this episode really makes you hyper-aware of headlights. And there's a there's a line here from Muffy's mother where she's like, we're going to have to get everything washed, your sheets, your pillows, even the carpet. And it reminded me of um, when I was I was doing an internship as part of the program that you and I did in community college. And I was staying in like a student dorm. And while I was there, they had a an outbreak of bed bugs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so basically all of our rooms had to be stripped. I had to move to a different room. And then like all of my clothes had to be taken away to be dry cleaned. So I only had like one pair of clothes for a couple of days. It was the worst. So Did they dry clean th- it for free. Yes. No, to know, to know, exp- none of my own okay. expense. Uh, so yeah, no, it, it was all taken care of free of charge but it just reminded me and brought back the memories of like man having head lice and having these bugs that can essentially go into anything uh anything comfortable in your house just seems like and is the biggest inconvenience in the world so we get these we get we get these interstitial uh segments of again the b story is really the general of the head lice here and he's sort of talking about it's funny i don't know if time works differently for the headlights but they're marking on a calendar and he's like it's been this many days since the first infection uh and the general sort of plotting to take over the school uh, we get the interstitial of the the headlights and it's they're on mr rappard's head uh and mr rappard has the headlights as well um mr rappard's name has changed <laughs> uh it used to be in earlier episodes uh, Mr. Rappern's name was Emil. Yes. Uh, but starting with this episode, they start referring to him to as Nigel Rappern. And then later on, he'll be known as Charles Nigel Rappern. Or, uh, uh, Charles is his middle name later on. So it's like Nigel Charles Rapper, Or something like so, that. Yeah, something like that. Um, also, uh, Mr. Rappern's got a great line where he says, I knew I should have went to business school. <laughs> which almost seemed out of character for him. He must be really grossed out by the lice, because if you remember during the snowstorm, Mr. Rapper believes very deeply in education. Yeah. I, I think it's just probably a momentary regret of just like, I wish I didn't have head lice. I'd do anything <laughs> to not have it. Um, this So yeah, this head lice, as, I, as we kind of said, ends up spreading to all of the kids, including the ones who don't really have hair. And I wonder if that's true of they head lice in general. over. Well, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, like, I wait. Don't know. Uh, so, are we referring to Arthur and DW here? I was thinking of Arthur and DW. I was also thinking of like George and Binky. So let's get into this. Will, do you oh, think boy. if you touch Arthur on the head, or let's say, okay, his hands, like Arthur's hands, right? Yeah. In your mind, is it like human skin? Because I've always thought of Arthur as like he's fuzzy all over. Like, if you ever see an Arthur stuffed animal, that's just how I assumed Arthur is. I mean. Well, yeah, actually, I, there's no, I guess there's no logic behind it because if they're they're animals, then 
then they would be more fur than anything. But yeah, I guess it's just the way that Arthur's skin looks. Because it I is flat. It... It's not drawn as like yeah. ragged or edged. Uh, but, so I could see how you would think that, but I'm just picturing now Arthur with like human real life skin, and it just is like it's kind of creepy thing to think. But about. also, but also keep in mind that like if we're talking about fur all over, then they would have to be treating their entire bodies. They just are treating their heads. Arthur's True, that's family, a good pipe. Arthur's family, Buster, Binky, everybody. Well, the nurse does say earlier the headlights only want to live on their head. So, all right, well. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're uh, worth asking, but I guess I never challenged my idea of what Arthur's skin was like. We're really getting into the deep questions here in I season know. five. We're adding this to the Arthur question canon of the animal hierarchy. <laughs> now it's like, are they covered with fur or what? Uh, so speaking of Arthur, uh, Arthur's dad is trying to uh, do some more ho- uh, homegrown solutions to uh head lice he, yeah, he's, he's been spending in... a little bit too much time on uh, pinterest because yeah. he's trying to use mayo eventually he, later on he uses olive oil um if this was me i'd be like "Ooh, maybe let's go to the walk-in clinic see if they have anything else to offer i don't know about these whole bread remedies and eventually the head lice spreads to the entire reed family after dw gets a bit of a dig in on arthur uh they they all they all pretty much have to go through preemptive treating, and that means all of DW's stuffed animals have to be taken away and washed for a couple of weeks. Uh, there's a little goodbye here that DW says to her stuffed animals. That's kind of sad. Yeah, her animals are named Poofles, Moo Moo, and Tuki. Tuki, I like that. I like that one. I'm guessing. I hope a Tuki's toucan. a toucan. Yeah, yeah gotta be. Uh, so eventually, you know, at, at this point, everybody or and I should mention, uh. Binky is also very excited to have head lice because, as he relates it, I get to do nothing. I I don't have to do homework, and I get to watch TV all day. Yeah, he's watching wrestling, and he says, I love lice. And as his mother combs out the lice. But we visit him later, and he's watching an Antiques Roadshow knockoff. This yeah, I don't, someone this gets I, she gets thirty seven dollars. It's like a cigarette box, a, a cigar box. She gets thirty seven dollars yeah. for it. And Binky's like has gone insane. He's like, please turn it off. But he can't, and so his 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 greatest dream has become his worst nightmare. And I can relate to that. It's just like when you have a day off, from, a couple of days off from work, and the first day it's like awesome, I get to stay inside and do nothing. And then the second day it's like I wish I had something to do. It's that it's that horrible backlash that that you can suffer. Um, Muffy ends up becoming clean from the head lice, but then Francine knows that it was Muffy that gave the lice to her and essentially to everybody. And Francine blames her, even though Francine put the hat on and that's how it spread. But anyway, uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of a, uh, a red herring because eventually uh, Muffy does get the lice back. Yeah. As she's like ordering this guy to paint like the big dipper on her roof, because as a part of her room getting basically cleared out, they get to redecorate um and then muffy uh her head lice has returned um we get a quick interstitial moment of uh buster arthur's talking on the phone with buster as his dad's putting olive oil on his head uh and buster seems to be the only kid in school who hasn't gotten head lice and then we get this amazing moment where we get a ren and stimpy style overly detailed close-up of buster's ear yeah um (laughs) which seems to have like i think that's an olive like just sitting in Buster's <laughs> ear hair, it is like really, really gross. 
uh, Buster's got to clean his pores or something. Um, and apparently Buster's head is so toxic that not even the lice can live there. They have gas masks and everything. Uh, and they decide to go back to the teacher's head, as they say. So that's Mr. Rapperin. Which is not accurate. Like, if you're a dirty person, if you're a quote-unquote dirty person, like, if you're not hygienic, then the lice will probably be even more attracted to you. Yeah, I think it's just that they're trying to play off, because lice do, like, uh, very clean, um, um, straight hair more, because it's easier for them to maneuver through. Uh, yeah. But I think they've taken, they've kind of hyperbolized that aspect of lice to the point where uh, Buster is now safe because he's so putrid. <laughs> putrid. Um, <laughs> there, uh, I will also say there is a good exchange here from Francine and Muffy where they're, uh, Muff, where Francine is like talking about how they have, they haven't got rid of the head lice yet. And Muffy says, you must be doing something wrong. And Francine says, yeah, talking to you. <laughs> uh, they learn that, uh, lice like, uh, shorter hair rather than longer hair. Yeah. Brain, uh, brain so... tells them, brain tells them that the sugar bowl. And then they uh, they end they end up being very ahead of the curve. Francine and Muffy end up getting pixie cuts. They just get a pixie cut, yeah. They, they and, they, and you know what? They kind of rock them, just like the uh, uh, hairdresser says. They, the hairdresser tells them they'll look like models. Unfortunately, they're not as pleased. They're a little too ahead of the curve for the '90s, apparently, because I forget who says this, but one of them says, "Yeah, like boy models." Yeah, Francine says that. Although they decide to use it to their advantage, and at this at this point, the headlights are kind of on the downturn they say they meet binky at school but in, but they actually use their short hair to get into the boys room yeah, which this part has an age super well like they're in the boys room uh the part about it that's funny is that binky's completely oblivious and he's just yeah. talking to them like normal even though it's obvious it's francine and muffy um but then we get some hijinks of binky being like girls in the boys room and he kind of runs out screaming and it's like i don't know about this yeah um, uh just just uh, just a bit of fun uh, and this essentially leads to what is the end of the episode, and I gotta gotta be honest, I didn't know how to feel about this one. So, uh, so I wrote down with a question mark the first death on Arthur ever. <laughs> I believe this is the first time a character dies on screen in Arthur. Oh no, we had um, did uh, Spanky Sp- die Sp- on screen? He he did. He passed. He passed away. Okay, so this is the second death in Arthur history. It's. It's strange. So, oh, you know what? Like, this is okay. Spanky might be the first death, but this is the first murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, what it is is that the the general uh, lice is. I think he's perched atop George's horn because at this point the lice are pretty much all dead. The the uh, you know what? This is really the is the highlight of the episode. This is I've decided how I feel about this, and that it's amazing. <laughs> it's i kind of don't know how to feel about it so it's he's like wrapped in a blanket he's cold it's just like writing in a journal of just like i am the last louse alive i need to create a new army and then he sees buster through his binoculars and he's like if i could just get to his head i can breed a new army and as buster and uh george pass in the hallway he tries to jump from george's horn to buster's head but really misses the mark and then we just see the uh, bunch of kids milling about in the hallway. We can't see the lice, but we hear him in a high-pitched voice. He's like, help me, help me. And then we just hear, 
And the implication is that it's he was a great squished. shot. It's a shot like we've never seen before at Arthur. Like we have this weird, almost Dutch angle overhead shot of the hallway, uh, which is not something this show does all the time. And you see the crowd of kids just walk by. Um, and the only reason you know what's going on is because of the audio. And like you said, it's weirdly effective. You're like, oh my God. It, it's, it's a, I, I put what an oddly dark ending and it's, yeah, I, it, I don't know how to feel about it. I said, I said, I feel like I've said that a couple times, but I left it and I was like, okay, that was grim. You know, kinda. What, you know what? Well, war is hell. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And that's the end of that one. All right, before we get into the second half of our Arthur episode, a quick word from us, comma, kids. Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to ElwoodCityLimits.Libsyn.com and you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as possible all right let's get back to the episode now already in progress and we're back thank you for the uh, sound effects uh now we're gonna get into another one which i feel might be better remembered than others even just by the title you are arthur uh and we start appropriately enough with arthur he's in bed and talking about how he loves reading books because he, it allows him to imagine that he's somebody else. Uh, in fact, he's reading his favorite book, Treasure Island. And we get a little cutaway of uh, Can I just Arthur. say, I feel like Arthur's favorite book changes on a semi-weekly basis. Well, he's a kid. He's he's discovering all kinds of new literature. So that's okay. He's, he's broadening his horizons. Mm. It's like him and Pal as pirates. And we get Pal with a little eye patch. And he's adorable. I love Pirate Pal. And Arthur is also talking about, like, what would it be like to be somebody else in real life, like Mr. Ratburn? And this is where we get a, a sneak peek at the uh, the um, the gimmick for this episode, which is we're in Mr. Ratburn's head first-person style. In fact, the camera has his nose kind of jutting out from it as he we hear his internal monologue as he first offers the kids in Arthur's class a little math quiz but then he's like, oh, that wasn't a very big groan. Maybe I'm getting soft on them. And he says, on second thought, let's start off the day with a big math test. Everybody groans louder, and he's like, that's more like it. Also, uh, Mr. Rappern's, about a third of Mr. Rappern's view is always obscured by his notes. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a yeah, problem. That's a little bit of an issue. <laughs> that's something you never consider with the larger snouted uh, Arthur characters, but now you're forced to think about it. Uh, and then Arthur decides to try something with us, the viewer. We'll try being him for a day, and he's going to be us for a day. 
And of course, none of I would say between you and I, Lucas, and probably our viewers as well, I don't remember what Arthur did on the day he was me. That day is no. missing from my memory. Hopefully, Arthur, uh, you know, treated my body with care. Um, Arthur's, it, you're naming us. <laughs> um, and so Arthur essentially hypnotizes us into becoming him, and that's where the episode actually starts off. Uh, as kind of mentioned, the gimmick of this episode is that it's enti- almost entirely from the first-person perspective of Arthur because now, we, Will, we are him. Yeah. We have talked about before, we like Arthur at its when it's at its most high concept, right? Yeah. But it doesn't get much more high concept than this. When did this episode come out? What year? 2000? 2000. So this episode predates... Uh, a little film called Doom, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. This episode predates by quite a large margin the. Uh, oh, actually, it would have been right around Doom. Well, no, no, no. It predates Doom, um, and it would have by quite a large margin predate the film Hardcore Henry. So this episode's pretty ahead of its time with the whole first-person concept, and it's pretty ballsy for it to do it for the entire episode as well. Uh, mm-hmm. barring some uh, uh there's a few imagination sequences where it's back to third person but it's first person for the majority of the episode i will say that i think that the first person view from the animation perspective is done pretty well in fact i've i've seen it i've seen first person done a lot worse in like live action before but the way that it's animated like i think that they do the the scale of how Arthur relates to the world pretty well. And I think they do the kind of the walking motions and the different motions, that kind of stuff. I think it's uh, pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if it was the change of perspective that was making me pay attention uh, a little bit closer to the animation more than usual. But I also thought the animation was pretty standout for this episode uh, in evoking the whole first person thing. And it knew when to it knew when to shake the camera and make it seem more natural, and it knew when to keep it steady in in, in order to uh, not disorient the viewer. And so we get all the typical like first person tricks that all these kind of things hardcore Henry Doob always do, where you know Arthur's looking in the mirror, all that stuff. DW approaches him, tells him that there is a three K race that he agreed to do today, and she says he has to train. Which I gotta say, you want to talk about ballsy? That's crazy that Arthur's training the day of the race. You gotta rest your body. Yeah, absolutely. That's and you gotta and you gotta get hydrated from the moment that you wake up. Uh, DW with her coach sweats here too. Arthur's like, how did I end up here? And we get a flashback of uh, Arthur. This okay. I've said some things about Brain and his character (laughs) before, Uh, but Brain in this episode might be the most villainous I've ever seen. Brain. He's just like awful. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Be- oh my because, god! Because the the episode where he was literally plotting a villainous takedown of Muffy, like that, like I that's know, but I was kind of, I this was kind of into that. Just... To me, like an elaborate plot in order to get revenge, I can see the motivation here. There's nothing that infuriates me more than Braid being like, "Oh yeah, three K is gonna be really hard for you. It'd be easy to be though," and then he runs off. In order to, I guess, illustrate his point, it's actually a pretty great moment of, like, I think unintentional comedy as Braid's like, yeah, you're worse at running than me, and then he sprints away. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm I, a bit lighter on Brain in this in this episode, mainly because uh, I, I could see the points he was making. He's definitely making them in a little bit of a, uh, with an air to him, let's say. 
kind of putting on a bit of condescension, but he's definitely been worse. But hey, uh, I'm on Team Arthur opinion. here. There's no bigger motivator than spite. If Braden said that stuff to me and I was standing next to the sign-up sheet, I'd be signed up too. I have the I have the exact opposite. I said Arthur got peer pressured into running like a chump. <laughs> and, and, and for something he entirely wasn't prepared for. But yeah, you're right. Spite is a big motivator. Uh, you kind of mentioned it before that this episode also uses different tricks to kind of reorient Arthur's first-person view without having to draw absolutely everything. And it's kind of fun to... Uh, uh, spot all of the ways that they do that. So like Arthur, like early on, like brings a doll up to his face and that allows us to reorient him into the mirror. Uh, it's like when he's running, he'll check his watch and then allows us to go to a different angle. It's kind of fun. It's like a, like a loading screen almost. Mm. Uh, so yes, uh, DW is trying to train Arthur for this three K that he signed up for largely out of spite, as you said. And, uh, but his actual trainers are the Tibble twins who run him through, uh, a bunch of, um, vicious training exercises. Like and he's also, him... he's doing all of these, you can tell, because we are Arthur, and we see his outfit when he looks at his arms and stuff. He's wearing his patented yellow sweater and white-collared shirt, which are not clothes I would want to work out in. Uh, definitely not. Just uh, more evidence that he was not ready for this. So the Tibble Twins are, like, chasing him around with water hoses and water buckets. Uh, they get him involved to in stealing... DW's purple dinosaur from her. Um, and as they have breakfast, uh, DW says that Arthur needs lots of crabs in order to get through the race, which actually means carbs. So Arthur has like a stack of pancakes. DW gives him a plain donut. Is another stack of pancakes. And of course that gives him um, the mother of all stomach aches, which I had one last weekend. So I can, I can relate. Arthur's looking out the window of the car and like all the hills are like all topsy-turvy like Alice in Wonderland and it's like yep that's kind of what it feels like when you your stomach is hurting uh and, but Arthur is still determined to do the race because again he signed up for this in order to get in order to raise money for a new children's reading room in the library and he imagines that without him in the race they won't have enough money and the imagination of specifically Mr. Haney and um uh oh my gosh why am I blanking on her name Oh, the uh, librarian. Yeah, but her name, though. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Miss Turner. Paige Turner, Paige, of course. Paige Turner is her name. He imagines them in the children's reading room, and uh, the for, the construction, the oh foreman of the construction project calls out to them from uh, outside of the building, and they're just like... Did you recognize the foreman's voice? Because I want to know who, which voice actor that was, because the foreman's voice is hilarious. It's such a good, like, foreman voice. I don't, uh, but it's just like, Mr. Haney, you didn't have enough money for us to build the entire room, so we neglected some basic things like doors and windows. Not only did which... he say you didn't have enough money, he goes, you were $5 short. Right, yeah. Like, and... specifically, it was Arthur's entry fee that sunk them. Which I don't know how they got into the reading room uh, without doors, but whatever. <laughs> and it's just like, Mr. Haney's like, I have $5 right here. And then he's like, throw in another 10 and we'll give you a roof. And of course, it starts to rain. And Miss Turner says, and it's all because Arthur signed up to do the race but didn't run. And Mr. Haney has this great, like, hmm, this downcast look. It's so, it's so typical, dramatic, typically Arthur. 
to imagine that he the the world revolves around him. I don't know why I'd think that because it's not like he has a show named after him or anything. <laughs> so he ends so he ends up deciding to do the race even though he I think uh, relieved his stomach ache. Hopefully the way that uh, God intended him to. We get a moment here with Buster before the race begins where Buster like literally comes up to Arthur, looks him in the eye and like breaks the fourth wall a little bit. And he's like, there's something different about you. Is there somebody watching you on a TV set and like knocks on Arthur's head? This is like, this begs into all sorts of questions of like, okay, so we don't have Arthur's consciousness, but we're possessing his body. Like, and Buster can sense the difference. Like if you think about this too long, your head's going to start spinning. Um, Also, before we move on, I got to talk about, I, I, uh, zoned out for a second. I have to talk about this gross lollipop. Uh, oh, and yeah. how disgusting it is and when DW th- puts it in your face and then it only makes Arthur a little bit more nauseous and for a split second there I was like is this show really going to pull a breakdown on the PS2 and make Arthur puke in first person luckily <laughs> it did not do that but that's I for a moment I thought that was coming yeah and of course Arthur's used to eating gross lollipops remember that one for the first season that was covered in hair oh yeah this one also covered in hair uh, Brain also meets up with Arthur, and uh, he's got his own secret weapon for the race. It's like these uh, type of shoes that he invented himself that uh, they have some sort of spring technology that activates when he claps. But I got to say, and I mean, hey, uh, Black Panther did it this year, so it's it, to a degree it's still in fashion, but I apologize for the old meme when I say, Brain, what are those? I wrote down, bring our shoe game for days. One thing I liked about this is that when Braid's describing the shoes, uh, he uses a lot of the naming conventions that, like, real sneakers would use. Like, uh-huh. just, like, random numbers, like, like you know, uh, uh, Nike Ultra Boost 2s or whatever. <laughs> like, that is a very realistic uh, uh, naming conventions for his shoes, so I appreciated that. Also, they're I, orange and blue. They're Nick's colors. I don't know. I can see these selling. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, Yeezy Season 6, the braid shoe. I wish I wrote down what he calls them because it is pretty funny. Yeah, the color, the color's okay. It's just it's just the gaudy lights and the bottoms of it are... I mean, hey, speaking of what are those, Arthur's got his, like, torn sneakers on that aren't even done up properly. So, I mean, to, what goes around comes around there. Uh, we do the race. Of course, it's still in first person. Arthur at one point gets ahead of Brain and uh, thinks that he is going to win the whole thing. Um, And in fact, he gets so excited that he's going to win it that he not only gets a trophy, but they like name the children's reading room after him, the Reed reading room. Uh, And that's what I wrote down was a good joke. (laughs) The idea of the Reed reading room. Then you'd be reading in the Reed reading room. But eventually Brain does overtake him with his clap-activated sneakers. So, uh, you know, Brain kind of still not doing anything wrong, but just kind of doing it with a smug look on his face. So I, I thought only... it was really interesting. At this moment, it's when I realized I, I thought it was a really uh, good choice to pick a foot race, a, uh, a, a, a 3K race for the first-person episode. Because uh, when I was a kid, I used to do 4K races all the time. There's something unique about when you're doing a, a 4K race, like you're a little bit bored. You're ultra um, hyper aware of your body. You're really focusing on like your breathing. You're focusing on how tired you are and your surroundings because you don't have that much other stimuli besides like pushing yourself to go forward. And so you do get that runner's high where it's almost it's almost like you're an, an 
it's it's similar to this Arthur episode where you're just kind of taking in your surroundings, ultra focused on your body, and and you're like, I don't want to say it's like out of body experience, but it's definitely a unique sensation. And so I thought it was an interesting uh, choice to have uh, that be the subject of a uh, first person episode. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. I did a bit of time running myself. Nothing competitive, but I, I think I know what you mean, although I always had, I always listened to music or something. But uh, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, it, it really makes the full use of uh, the gimmick of uh, being in first person. Uh, as Brain passes Arthur, Arthur notices Muffy, who is at one point running backwards so that the camera's taking uh, shots of the race can get a better look at her and she accidentally uh backs into a guardrail and kind of hurts herself and i know i noted here this the, is when Ar- and, and as arthur is coming up uh, upon her um you can't really tell but there's like this one frame of muffy like laying down clutching her leg and i'm like dang muffy's out for the season toward acl <laughs> uh i i wrote here this is where arthur passes the quick time event because it's almost like it's almost like a telltale choice where arthur like looks ahead to the path, looks over to Muffy, and it's like, do you do Paragon or Renegade? And Arthur chooses the Paragon interrupt and helps Muffy up. She's pretty She's pretty much okay. She's, like, crying, and she's like, no, I'm not all right. I tore my favorite running outfit. And then Arthur realizes he'll never catch up to the brain, but, uh, he, but he does say there'll be other races. He ends up finishing the race, and uh, his you know he's congratulated by his family and all that kind of thing. And then we kind of flash to the end of the episode, which is we're not in first person anymore. Arthur is at the kitchen table uh, reading the newspaper in which he and Muffy uh, made the front page. It's a picture of her, of him helping her up. Uh, and Arthur says, he's like, well, that's more important than be coming in first is I'm famous. And we finally figured it out. The only thing Arthur cares about is clout. <laughs> he, is, he is a clout shark. He cares about what pe- what other people think of him. So, yeah, that definitely le- one leads to the other for sure. And, he's, and he says, I hope you enjoyed being me for a day. I sure enjoyed being you. And I was like, okay, so Arthur was me watching the episode? But then, but then Arthur, like, if you really want to get your brain in a twist, Arthur then says, but next time you can run the race and I'll sit back and watch TV. And I was like, wait, what? Because I thought we were Arthur because the episode was for a person. But then if Arthur's saying that he ran the race and we were watching the TV, then when was Arthur B? And then what? He was always within you. It's just a weird line. It's very confusing. <laughs> to end something of a Why weird Why would he frame it episode. like that? <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's rewind it back. Uh, at the beginning of this episode, it was uh, The Lousy Week. What would you think of that one? Um, I like the lousy week. I think, um, I might be looking at it a little bit with nostalgia glasses. As a kid, I was always way into this episode. Um, I was into war movies and I always liked it when Arthur did parodies and stuff. And so all of the lice stuff goes a really long way with me. Watching it now as an adult, I think, uh, this episode has a pretty good moral and it's effective with its moral in that even as a kid, I didn't realize this episode was teaching me a lesson, but I, I, as a kid, I was like watching this going, lice are gross. I do not want to have them. Uh, Hmm. and I think that's this episode being effective at teaching me, uh, another, and it also frames it in an entertaining way with the, the lice being in the war and all that stuff. Uh, watching it as an adult, 
I described it earlier how there's like a visceral disgust as you know what the kids are doing as they're passing that hat around and you almost want to like reach into the TV and stop them, uh, especially when George is like rubbing it on his face. Uh, there's all the stuff about uh, Buster being gross. I thought that was funny. Um, Muffy is the star of this episode uh, and she's kind of her usual unlikable self. So that is kind of a weak point of the episode is that you don't really have uh, someone to latch on to. Uh, I also didn't like the stuff where they get their, I thought it was kind of unnecessary, the part where they chop their hair off and then trick Binky in the bathroom. That scene just kind of hasn't aged well. Uh, but besides that, uh, I liked all the stuff with, again, Buster being disgusting. And I gotta say, I don't know how you felt about it. I know it made you feel weird. I liked how dark the ending was. Uh, it's one of the more standout Arthur endings in my mind, and it's certainly one I'm not gonna forget anytime soon. Just that shot of the crowd overhead. Uh, I don't know what to compare it to, but it definitely reminds me of, like, cinema or something. It's a very effective melancholy ending as the final louse is defeated and vanquished on camera. So, um, I, I think it feel it feels like with this episode, they had, they got the idea of like, okay, the Arthur kids get head lice and they had a bunch of ideas that they wanted to use and they kind of put them together. And in the end, it kind of doesn't make up much of like a, a story. Like it, 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 the, sto- it, the yeah, story, the story structure, like, especially with the kids, like the lice, there's kind of a through line. Like you see the lice think they're going to win the war in the halfway point, And then eventually like they're all dead. Uh, but with the kids, it's just kind of a bunch of disjointed lice segments. Hmm. But all that to say that I think a lot of the ideas were really good, and I liked this episode quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked the metaphor of the lice being an army. Um, I, I really liked a lot of the interstitials, and it just kind of reminded me of, like, it t- it take out the part of it being lice, of just, like, like when you're sick, like uh, trying to use all these home remedies, um, having to like do all the stuff that you do when you're sick when, that you hate doing. Eventually, even watching TV becomes a chore and all this kind of stuff, and you're actually happy to get back to normal. Uh, I, 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 just, I just thought this was very creative and uh, uh, fun. And the ending, I will agree. It's uh, I, I, I don't know. Still don't know how I feel about it, but I'd say the fact that it's so memorable and the fact that it evokes such a response is a strong indicator that they went in the right direction. So I think this was a, a very good episode. At this point, I'd probably say it's one of the season's best so far. Not that's not necessarily high praise, but I do feel that way regardless. Uh, as for you are Arthur, I thought that they again. This kind of felt like it was based on a gimmick of like. Uh, okay, we're going to do an Arthur episode in the first person. And they really did quite a bit with it. Uh, like we like we talked about before, the animation and especially how it relates to where Arthur is, what he's interacting with. I thought that must have been really difficult to get right. And I thought that they did it particularly quite well. Again, the story isn't too much. It's more. It's really more just an excuse for you to do interesting things uh, from Arthur's perspective. But it was still, like, I said that they, don't want to repeat myself too much, but they maximized the concept and made it really fun to watch. And uh, there were there were some very funny parts as well. And, yeah, I just thought this was uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, not one of the best ones I've ever seen, but I really liked that they tried something different. That's, we you, you kind of brought it up as well. We really like when Arthur gets high concept and it's just like the show that has been around for at this point as we've been watching it like four or five years 
I like when they start to get weird. I like when they get think outside of the box. And even though this isn't like, you know, a whiz-bang story or character development or something like that, it's a cool idea. It's a cool gimmick. And it helps to kind of freshen things up at this point. Yeah, I I uh, I totally agree with you. I I really liked again gimmicky idea. What if we had an episode where Arthur is completely in the first person? Uh, but you could tell they had fun with it. They had all these ideas to execute. I think it's a really um, creative choice to have it be the day of a race. Like the lazy way to do this would just be like a very simple day in the life of Arthur. But it essentially is just they could have had a regular Arthur episode about him being in this race, but they just decided. Maybe it needed that something extra, and it's in first person. And so they make effective use of the gimmick. Um, it's, like you said about the Lice episode, memorable. Um, I This is another one I remembered watching when I was a kid, and it was really ahead of its time. I think it's, like, one of the first things I ever saw that tried to do the first person thing. Uh, and it stays entertaining throughout. They keep coming up with new stuff with uh, Arthur working out with the Tibble twins. Um, we have a great imagination sequence, one of the funnier ones in a while, of the foreman um, in the library about to uh, crumble down. Um, the only t- thing I really didn't like about this episode uh, is at the end where it just sort of makes my head spin about the whole who's possessing who, Arthur's me, what? Uh, but that's more me splitting hairs than anything else. Uh, it's a fun episode. Yeah, I think we're agreed on that. So, yeah, after after a couple of uh, not-so-great weeks with Arthur, it's good to kind of come back to one that I'd say we generally agree is at least pretty good. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought of the episode and what you thought of uh, us talking about the episode as we end off this episode, 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 here on Elwood City Limits. Um, I will let you know that next week, be expecting a new edition of filibuster which is our patreon exclusive show given our schedule sometimes lucas and i are a little bit too busy uh to do a full uh, ecl episode so next week we are going to be doing a little something um should we tell them what we're going to be talking about or should that be a uh no patreon because secret? i don't know what i'm going to talk about yet <laughs> really you don't know i thought you had you you told me you had a topic ready oh my gosh that might have been last week. Now I gotta you, figure out what you, it was again. You know what? I'm we'll sure t- I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. I th- I suspect it'll be something spooky. I think so. I, I remember okay. you telling me that we have something ready for just this time of year. So uh, if you want to hear about that, it's uh, over on Patreon.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits. If you don't want to miss a week with us, otherwise, the next time that we have a full episode of Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur Podcast. We'll be talking about the election and Francine goes to war. So keeping in with the war theming. I'm excited to see what the election's about. I love yeah, a good election I, episode. I think I, rem- I think I remember, but I uh, will have to wait and see. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. Mayohead! <laughs> we'll see you next time. And uh, yeah, don't forget, filibuster coming next week.